you, worship team. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in 1 Corinthians chapter 14 today. Oh, yeah, you're like, wait, we moved. We're out of the 12, we're into the 14. What happened? Well, uh, Paul in chapter 14 spends a great deal of time talking about tongues and prophecy, and today we're looking at the gifts of tongues and interpretation of tongues. And uh, if you didn't get a, uh, a, an outline, it's not really an outline, it's more of a, just a, a sheet to help you follow along, uh, that is back there in the welcome area, and you're, you're welcome to get that, and it'll walk you through the passage that we're in today. So uh, chapter 14, if you have your Bible, you can follow along with me. If you want to read it on the screen, uh, you're welcome to do that too. And as we often say, if you don't have a Bible, please feel free to take the one in the chair in front of you as a gift from us to you. We want you to have Scripture for yourself to be reading and growing in. Uh, as we grow in these spiritual gifts, as we see the Spirit moving, one of the things that should grow in us is a love and a desire to know the Word. And so let me encourage you uh, to, to have that in your hands and, and get familiar with, with the Scriptures. Um, starting in chapter 14, verse 1, this is what Paul writes to the church. He says, Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues, unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. Now, brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? If even lifeless instruments such as the flute or the harp do not give distinct notes, how will anyone know what is played? And if the bugle gives an, an indistinct sound, who will get ready for battle? So with yourselves, if you with so with yourselves, if with your tongue you utter speech that is not intelligible, how will anyone know what is said? For you will be speaking into the air. There are doubtless many different languages in the world, and none is without meaning. But if I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker a foreigner to me. So with yourselves, since you are eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. Therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone 
in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you are saying? For you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not being built up. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. Brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking, be mature. In the law it is written, by people of strange tongues and by the lips of foreigners, I will speak to this people, and even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Thus, tongues are a sign not for believers, but for unbelievers, while prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers, but for believers. If therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues, and an outsider or unbeliever enters, will they not say that you are out of your minds? But if all prophesy, and an unbeliever or outsider enters, he is convicted by all. He is called to account by all. The secrets of his heart are disclosed, and so, falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. This is the word of the Lord for us today. Will you pray with me? Father, as we come through this passage, we just ask that you would just, by the work of the Holy Spirit, just make it clear. Even the hard prophetic passage from Isaiah, just give us clarity, help us to understand God, we want to understand this gift of tongues and interpretation of tongues. We want to understand how it builds up ourselves, but how it is to be used, what it looks like. We thank you for all the gifts. So help us grow in understanding. Help us remember that we are a body of many members, but yet we are one, unified in Christ. So may Jesus be glorified today in the preaching. May we be unified because of the word. Help us to walk in the fullness of all that you have for us. May we be closer to you, Lord Jesus, because of what we are learning from the scriptures. And may our relationship be genuine. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Chapter 14, starting in verse 1, Paul says to the church, he says, pursue love. That's a command. He says, go after it. Pursue it. You, you should be walking in love. And so next week, here's, here's where we're going. We're actually going to go back to chapter 13 and look at love. This is wrapping up the last of the spiritual gifts today, tongues and interpretation of tongues. And Paul, as he outlines them in 12 and this kind of gives us that shotgun approach of the list that we've been going through. He then goes to 13 and talks about how love is greater. He says, let me show you something even greater. And he starts to talk about love. So in 14, he starts by saying, pursue that. So next week, we're going to talk about what that is, what love is. But here, just to, in the way of getting into our passage today, he says, Pursue love. And so this is a command. What Love builds us up. Love edifies. Love encourages. It looks out for the good of the other. Uh, according to 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, it, it's patient, kind. It doesn't envy or boast. It's not arrogant. It's not rude. 
It doesn't insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoings, but rejoices with truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. So we are to pursue that. Go after that. He says, pursue love. We are to love one another as you would love your own flesh, your own body. Ephesians 5.29, Paul writes to the church in Ephesus. Did I give you that passage? Ephesians 5.29? Did you say no? Man. All right. Bible drill again. I thought I did. Anyway. God eats peanut butter cookies, Ephesians. You're thinking popcorn, I know. Thank you. Oh, there it is. Ephesians 5.29. For no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ does the church. Look at that. Just as Christ loves his body, the church, he nourishes it, he, he builds it up, he cherishes it, he cares for it. That's love. That's how we are to be. We are to pursue that for one another, nourishing one another, caring for one another. So he starts 14, he says, pursue love, earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, but pursue love over all the gifts. But he then goes on to say, as we pursue these gifts, he says, especially that you may prophesy. Why prophecy? Well, it's an act of love. It's, it's, it's a pouring out of the Spirit. It's a manifestation of the Spirit that, that's used to bring others closer to Christ. If we really love our neighbor, we want them to know Christ. We want them to walk closely with Him, just as we want to walk closely with Him. So the prophetic word, Paul says, and as we've looked at over the last couple of weeks, is that word that that comes from the Spirit, that uncovers the heart and draws people deeper in relationship. So he says, if you could have any of the gifts, you want the gift that's going to draw people closer to the Messiah. He says, so pursue love, and especially the one that's going to draw them to Jesus. Especially that. Well, verse 2, he goes on, he says, for no one who speaks in a tongue, speak." For, for the one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, <clears throat> but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. Well, the question then is, are, is tongues just human languages? Well, here it's like, well, no, it, it, we, it doesn't appear to be so. But there is this argument that is being made uh, today that tongues have ceased, that they don't function the way that I think Paul's talking about them. And that argument comes out of Acts chapter 2, and they use this uh, as the touch point. Acts 2, it says, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together on place, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting, and divided tongues as a fire appeared on them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So part of this 
idea how some would say tongues don't, see, don't work today, they don't function today. They would say, look at Acts 2, this is what it is. It's when the Spirit comes, it's always a human language, it's always this utterance that someone's going to hear it, and this is the only way it functions. They look at tongues through this lens. And so they would say another example that they would give from this is Acts chapter 10. This is Peter with Cornelius. And it says, while Peter was still saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell on all who heard the word. And the believers from among the circumcised who had come with Peter were amazed because the gift of the Holy Spirit was poured out even on the Gentiles. For they were hearing them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter declared, Can anyone withhold water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? And they would say, well, Acts 10 is is just that understanding of them receiving the gospel. That it was the, the manifestation for that time period. They make the argument that they started speaking in Hebrew. So Peter understood him in his own language. Well, that's an argument from silence. It doesn't say that in the Scriptures. But they say it has to be that because of Acts chapter 2. Acts 2 says it's a language. They're speaking in tongues in Acts 10. It must be a language that Peter and these men understand. It's not their native language. They start speaking another language, so it must be theirs. And so, voila, there's tongues. That's how tongues look. But I think it's more than that. Can it be a human language? Yes. But it, it's more than just human language. So is it only human languages? The answer is no. I, as, as Paul says here in verse 2, he says, the one who speaks in a tongue speaks, what? Not to men, but to God, for no one understands him. First of all, it is a language. It's a, it's a language being spoken, but it's not being spoken to men. Well, then he's not using a human language. He's using a divine heavenly language. He's using an angelic language, perhaps. He's using a language that is manifest of the Spirit of God that is welling up within the spirit of that person and is coming out in utterance back to God, speaking to God, and God understands these mysteries. It's not for man. It's it's to God that this one is speaking in tongues. So, Verse 2, he says, the one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men, but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. Now, this is something we need to understand where he says mysteries, because some would say, well, this is just going back to the gospel. It's the mystery of the gospel. We have the gospel now. So they needed tongues back in the early church to proclaim the mystery of the gospel. Well, we see that in Ephesians chapter 2, or Ephesians chapter 3, sorry, verses 2 through 6. Assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men and other generations as it has been now as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, 
members of the same body and partakers of the promise in Christ Jesus through the gospel. So, the singular mystery is that of the gospel. It, one of the great mysteries of God given to man is the good news of Jesus Christ for our salvation, of the gospel message. But that's not what Paul has said here. He says he utters what? He utters mysteries. Not just one, but many. Our God is unfathomable. There's more riches than we understand. And in this moment, Paul says the one speaking in a tongue is uttering mysteries of God, truths of God, deep things of God that the Spirit understands, the Spirit has brought up that he is bringing out of this person. Now, the mind, as he says later, doesn't understand unless God gives the interpretation. But this is, this is a manifestation of the Spirit, being caught up in the Spirit and uttering mysteries of God. So Paul's using the plural mysteries, not the singular mystery. Yes, the gospel is one of the mysteries of God. But there are other truths. So our spirit speaking in the Holy Spirit's power is speaking to God. It is agreeing with Him for His will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. 1 Corinthians 13, 2, he goes on, Paul says in that passage, he says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong and a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge. And if I have all faith, as so to move mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. He says, I could understand the great things of God and and do it without love, that I'm nothing. But there's the mysteries, again, plural. He's not just talking about the gospel. He's talking about other deep truths of God. So this idea that it's just only human languages, it was only for a sign manifestation that the gospel was actually being received. Uh, I don't believe it stopped there. I believe tongues has continued today. There's not an argument from Scripture that shows that the apostles believe that it stopped. Otherwise, I mean, you think Paul would say, okay, for a little while you're all going to speak in tongues. But after the mystery is revealed... We won't speak in tongues anymore. We won't do this anymore. We won't have this. There's, there's nothing that shows that the apostles or the early church believed that these gifts were to cease. 1 Corinthians 13.1, again, shows that it's not just human languages. He says, if I speak in the tongues of men and of angels... Have you ever wondered how many different languages angels speak? It's just amazing. Like, you go through the scriptures and you think about all the different visitations and they speak. So I, you know, I, it wasn't really until I sat down and started studying tongues recently that I, that I was thinking about this. But, you know, I'm thinking about all the different times angels show up in the scriptures and they're talking to people. And, of course, they were all speaking English because that's how I'm reading it. You know? No, the angel shows up and speaks the language of the one hearing. All different languages. Brings revelation to all different ones. And then it's like, well, 
the angels probably have their own language. They probably converse in the heavenlies in their own divine tongue. And Paul says, if I'm speaking to God with the tongue of angels, (laughs) well, then I'm speaking to God, not man. So here we see that there's more than just human languages at play. Tongues, then, is not gibberish, but it's an actual language. It's either human or angelic, but we are talking to God. It's an actual language. Some people would say, well, I don't like that tongue stuff because it's just gobbledygook. It's like, it's like you just say banana backwards until you just get going. And some do that. Some try to say, I can teach you how to speak in tongues. Listen, it's a gift of the Spirit. It comes up from the Spirit. People will say, well, you can just do this and do this until eventually you're just speaking in tongues. Well, you can force it, but you would know in your own soul, in your own spirit, whether or not you're faking it. Paul's saying this is something that comes up that is from God, from the Spirit. It's an actual language being spoken. It's not gibberish, and we're speaking in the Spirit, praying in the Spirit. What is talking to God? It's prayer. What is talking to God? It is prayer. So when we start in a tongue, if that's a gift that the Holy Spirit gives to you, you are praying in the will of the Spirit, by the Spirit. So how does it edify me if I don't know what I'm saying. Well, I know what I'm saying is in perfect agreement because the Spirit's bringing it. And I know that God's going to do something. He's building me up. He's working in my circumstance. The things that I'm speaking right now are the things He wants me to speak right now back to Him. So I know God is on the move. So I am encouraged, even though I don't understand the, the words that I'm saying. I'm praying in the Spirit. Verse 3, he says this. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. So here he's saying prophecy is, is better for the body because the body then gets encouragement. We actually can understand what's being spoken. We understand the truth. We can have the mystery unpacked. Verse 4, he says, The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. So tongues builds up the individual person. So another criticism of tongues is, well, it's just self-centered. Why? People who speak in tongues, really, they're just about themselves. They're about their, maybe they're just showing off or whatever. Like, it really seems to be more of a self-centered, selfish thing building up ourselves, like thinking about me. I want this gift to build me up. Well, let me tell you this, that being built up, building ourselves up is not selfish and it's not sinful. In fact, we're commanded to do so. Jude chapter 1, verse 20. But you, beloved, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. What does Jude say? He says, build yourself up. Build your faith up. Become strong. Building ourselves up. So having this and being built up in this spiritual gift is not a selfish thing. It's a, it's a beautiful thing. 
It's part of the maturing of the believer that has this gift. So it's not something that is self-centered or selfish. It is something that encourages, that builds up, that, that makes the, the one who exercises the gift stronger in their faith. If we thought building up was selfish, well, then I should close the Bible right now. We should just go home and enjoy, you know, the rest of our Sunday. We don't want to read anymore. We don't want to pray anymore. We don't want to do it. It's like you can't do Bible study. It's like, because that's building up. All this stuff that we do on a regular basis as believers, as disciples, trying to know Christ more, walk with him more, what is that? That's building up. So this is what tongues do as well. They build us up. So verse 14, Paul says, I'm going to continue to do it. I'm going to keep doing it. Even though others may not understand it, I will continue to build myself up. Verse 5, moving down, he says, Now, I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues unless someone interprets so that the church may be built up. He says, I want you all to speak in tongues. So should each person have the gift? Should every single one of us speak in tongues? Not necessarily. Could every single one of us speak in tongues? Absolutely. If the Holy Spirit pours out that gift on each of us, we each could speak in tongues. Do we have to have this gift? No. God knows what we need. He is a good father. He knows what gifts we need. He knows which gifts he wants us to be walking in for our edification, for our building up. Some of us will receive the gift of tongues. Some of us will not. Um, There's a video of John Piper was being asked about the gift of tongues and how it looks in his church and stuff. And and one of the guys says, John, this is one of the most contentious spiritual gifts. You know, what are your thoughts on speaking in tongues? And he said in all of his life, he's never spoken in tongues. He says, you know, it's not that I haven't desired it. It's not that I haven't wanted it. He said, I used to sit in my car before services trying to sing in tongues. And he said, but I knew I was faking it. I was trying to make it happen. I was like, God, can I do it? And you know, like, Maybe you'll just bless me as I keep trying. Maybe if I just try, you'll bless me. He's like, but he never gave me that gift. He said, I was praying, and there's seasons where I pray for it. He said, but what the Spirit came to me and said is, John, I gave you a gift of preaching. I gave you a gift of teaching. I gave you the gift of shepherding. Be faithful in those. He said, which meant God also was saying to me, be faithful in shepherding the prophets. Be faithful in shepherding the tongue speakers. So John Piper is saying, he hasn't received this gift. I've had this gift once in, in my life in an in evangelistic setting. Um, others speak it on a regular basis. Paul says, I, I wish you all had it. I, I bet Paul would say, I wish you had every spiritual gift. I want you to have all of them. But we look at these passages, 1 Corinthians 12, 14 through 20. For the body does not consist of one member, but many. 
If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If we all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. And again, 1 Corinthians 12, 27 to 31, he says, Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administration, or administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you still a more excellent way. So here Paul says, I realize not everyone will have the gift, but that's okay. We rejoice in how God gives gifts. So if there is one among us who says, God's given me that gift, Praise God, that's given to you for your encouragement, for your building up. You're praying for us probably at times, and we don't even realize it, that you're praying the will of God for his people. You're praying those mysteries, those deep truths over the body that, that we need prayed into us. And sometimes we aren't praying them with our intelligible words, and God brings prayer warriors with tongues alongside, and they're praying in their prayer closets and quietly for the body and those deep mysteries, building up the church and building up themselves. So Paul says, it's okay. But we look at this as gifts for, for the individual tongues, but for the body too. It's tongues proof of that spirit baptism. That's another uh, question that gets asked all the time. Well, well, if you really receive the Spirit, you're going to speak in tongues. Well, not necessarily. We can be full of the Spirit, as Paul just showed us, and, and have different gifts. And walk in the fullness of the Spirit and have different gifts. What's a better way of testing the the fullness of the Spirit, or that you have been baptized with the Spirit, however you want to say that, I think a better test for us is Matthew chapter 12, verse 33. Jesus says, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad, for the tree is known by its fruit. The tree is known by its fruit. How do we know if it's genuine? Was the person's life changed? Was your life changed? How do we know that someone's walking in these gifts the way they should? It's going to come out of their life. Their life is going to be transformed. They're not going to be the same. So a a few things, and I, I put one, two, three, four on your sheet. Does the person exalt Christ? Is Jesus being exalted more and more in their life? Do they keep elevating Jesus in all these different areas of their life where he wasn't elevated before, is Jesus being exalted? Number two, is there repentance and change? Are they repenting of old ways and walking in the new ways? 
Are they leaving the dead man dead in the tomb and walking in the new man? Have they been changed? Number three, do they have love for the word and are they coming under its authority? Do they love the word of God and come under its authority? And number four, do they have a love for the lost and are wanting people to be saved? That's really a good test. That's really a good test. Is, is the person walking in spiritual gifts, are they exalting Christ? Are they repenting of sin and walking in the new man, new woman? Are they loving the word of God and wanting to know it more and more and come under its authority? Are they loving those who need Christ? I think that's a good test. Verse 6 We see a a problem here now. He says, now, brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? The trouble is tongues in themselves don't build up all of us unless they're coupled with a revelation, unless there's an interpretation. So he gives that example, verses 7 through 9. He says, If even lifeless instruments such as the flute or the harp do not give distinct notes, how will anyone know what is played? And if the bugle gives an indistinct sound, who will get ready for battle? So with yourselves, if with your tongue you utter speech that is not intelligible, how will anyone know what is said? For you will be speaking into the air. So he's saying even instruments, if if you're not playing them together, if the notes aren't together up here with the worship team and that, and people are just playing different things, it's like we won't know really who to follow and what to be singing and, and how we are supposed to come together. He says it's intelligible. He says there needs to be that distinct note. That's what that's what the language of of the interpretation would bring. Verses 10 and 12, he says, he says, there are doubtless many different languages in the world, and none is without meaning. This is why I would say tongues is also a very real spoken language. None are without meaning. But if I do not know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker and the speaker foreigner to me. So with yourselves, since you are eager for the manifestation of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. <laughs> Jeżeli mówię po polsku, a ty nie rozumiesz, jak może ci pomóc? What did I say, Bethany? Yeah, exactly. How does it help you? Was that tongues? No, that was that was human. Speaking different languages, we can learn languages. Do I need the Holy Spirit to do that? No. Interpretation, having learned the language, does she need the Holy Spirit to do that? No, she can learn it. Can it be divine, speaking another language that I don't know and that I've never studied? Yes. The interpretation is needed. Verse 13, he's saying, for the building up of the church. He says, therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. The interpretation, when it comes with the tongue in a corporate setting, becomes a prophetic word. 
Does that make sense? Because it ceases just to be tongues, because if you're uttering the mysteries of God, and you utter the mystery of God, and someone can understand what you are saying through the Spirit, then they now have a prophetic word for the church. And if they have a prophetic word for the church, and that is to be weighed and and tried and tested by the elders because it is a word that is coming to be spoken to the body. Who do we submit to? We submit to the elders and their authority. So when someone says, I was praying in the Spirit, and this person says, and I heard in the Spirit, they would submit that word and say, we believe this is for the church. And the elders would say, yeah, that's a good word. I think we should share that. Or they would say, maybe the timing's not right. Let's share that at a different date. Or I'm not sure if that's for now or for later. Let's just pray into it and let's just wait and see if this is something that God wants us to share later. There, there has to be order, but that prophetic word is, is spoken when interpretation is coupled with it. So there's tongues and prophecy actually at work together. Verses 14 through 19, it says, For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. Well, what am I to do? Well, I will pray with my spirit, but I will pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. He goes on to say, Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you are saying? For you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person is not being built up. Paul goes on to say, and I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Nevertheless, in church, in the gathering, in the ecclesia, the gathering, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than 10,000 words in a tongue. So if we don't know in our mind what we're saying, is this something we really need? Some would say, why do we even need tongues then? Like, I can get edified through the Scripture. I can be built up here. I can, I can strengthen myself through this revelation without tongues. Yes, you can. But is this something we need? Yes, because God says we need it. Some of us need this gift, and so yes, we need it. We don't just throw it away. We build up the one speaking. In verse 14, Paul says he prays with his mind, or he prays with his spirit, but his mind is unfruitful. In verse 15, he says, do I throw it away? No, he says, I keep praying. I keep praying. I'll keep on doing it. He says that he will also sing in the Spirit. So in this context, I'm assuming that Paul's talking about singing in tongues, that he's in the fellowship, and maybe as, the, as they're all singing, he's like, this is good, and his Spirit sings in tongues. Verse 16, he says, we can't be unified with your prayer if we can't understand it. Neither can the foreigner if he doesn't understand the tongue. When we were in Poland, we uh, were in a church and, and everyone would pray together and they would speak in Polish and they had a time of prayer. We didn't speak Polish very well at that time and so as new missionaries learning the language, we were just quiet. 
And one day we had a man come up to us, Mark comes up to us, and he's like, how come every time I finish praying, you never say amen? <laughs> I was like, well, I don't know what you're praying, and I'm not going to agree to something that I don't understand. And he's like, oh, well, okay, that's good. <laughs> you know, but yeah, that's what Paul's saying. Like, why would, how can we say amen? That, mean, that word amen means let it be so. Let it be so. I know we say that at the end of our prayers, and it kind of becomes something that we just get used to saying, like, thank you, God, for our food, bless this day, bless our family, Jesus' name, amen. And we just kind of tack it on there. But it has profound meaning. It's a word of agreement. It's saying, these things that I just asked of you, God, make it so. May it be so. That's what amen is. And so if one is praying or speaking, he says, how can we say amen to it if we don't understand it? Verse 20, he tells them, Brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking, be mature. So don't be immature when it comes to understanding how God has worked and has spoken to his people. And then he gives us this really hard two verses, verse 21 and 22. He says, and this is a quote from Isaiah 28, 11 and 12. But I'll just read this passage. You can put Isaiah up if you would like to read that. But here he says in 21, 22, he says, In the law it is written, by people of strange tongues and by the lips of foreigners, I will speak to this people, and even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. Thus tongues are a sign not for believers but for unbelievers, while prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers but for believers. And then he's going to go in 23 to the end here, and it seems like he just flip-flops that, Right? And so we're just like, wait, how, how is this so? It looks like an interpretation error. It looks like something's wrong here. Okay, there is a principle that I wrote on your paper. Always interpret the hard things that are unclear with the easy things that are very clear. The next couple verses are clear, and they help us understand this, these two verses. What is he saying here? Paul is actually looking back at history. He's saying, understand what God has done. Tongues were spoken when they were invaded, when Israel was invaded by the Assyrians, the Assyrian tongue was spoken. They did not understand the Assyrians. They didn't speak that language. They had no idea what was being said to them. They were being taken over by a foreign nation. And he says, and I will bring foreigners who come and speak strange tongues to them, and they will not listen. So it was a sign of judgment to Israel. It was a sign that God was moving. God had been speaking to them, and they weren't listening. He said, so when you hear these tongues, you're not going to understand. It's going to be a sign of judgment. And he says, and then prophecy is then for the believer. Well, what was the prophecy? That they would be invaded, that they would be taken over. It was a sign that God's word was true, that his ways were, were set, that he was speaking to them. They were not listening. He said, so for those who aren't believing me, I'm going to give you this tongue of the Assyrians, and you're not going to understand it. For those of you who do believe me, here's the prophecy that I told you you'd be taken over and taken captive. And the believers see that God is, is true. So then Paul continues on. He says this is how he's worked in the past, and look at how he's working even here today. He says, if therefore the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues, and an outsider or believer enters... Uh, unbeliever enters, they will not say that you are out of your minds, but will, but if all prophet, will they not say you're all out of your minds? But if all prophesy and an unbeliever outsider enters, he is convicted by all, he is called to account by all, 
The secrets of his heart are disclosed, and so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. So in these last couple verses, what is he saying? If, we, if someone walked in here and they understood different languages, maybe didn't speak them, but they understood if someone's over there and saying stuff in Spanish and someone over here is in French and maybe I'm gibbering in broken Polish and someone else is doing another language that, you know, they would walk in and they'd be like, wow, this is a pretty cultured church. Like, I hear a lot of different languages. If they came in and heard tongues, they would say, I don't understand any of this. These people are weird. And they're like, I'm looking for the rattlesnake cage. Like, are they going to bring out snakes next? Are they going to start dancing? Like, he said, they're going to think you're crazy. But if you're all bringing the word of God and prophesying in turn, as we'll talk about order later, he says, if, if that is happening, what's happening? The mysteries are being revealed, and people will repent, and they will come to Christ. So Paul's giving instruction on how to use tongues. Is he saying tongues uh, are useless? No, but he's saying they shouldn't be at the forefront. They're actually a background gift. So we understand how God continues to work and speak. We discern the good use of each gift. Tongues can bring confusion without interpretation, whereas prophecy can bring conviction and worship. But both, but both, bring growth when used in step with the Holy Spirit. So I know this isn't all that can be said about tongues. This is, this is where I'm going to end today, and next week we'll talk about love. But we see that God sets down order in all things, and Paul wants us to practice the fullness of all things, but in good order. Will you stand with me? We'll pray. Worship team, come on up. Lord, I thank you, for, <laughs> thank you for the good gifts that the Spirit gives. And this gift of speaking in tongues, God, I, I fully expect it to be manifest here in our church, in our body. But we, as, as Paul instructs us, we, we want to walk in your ways. We want to walk in the fullness of the Spirit, but we want to walk in the ways that build up that encourage, that are good, that are edify. We want to walk in love, no matter the gift. So, Father, we give thanks for this. We give thanks for giving us clarity, and we give thanks that Paul sets this task of setting order before us. Father, we, we just give it to you. It's not about the gifts. It's about you. So in the end, may we just walk closer with you as a fellowship, and may we just be filled with joy as we experience all of these different things that you will do as you manifest yourself here at the bridge. It's in Jesus' name we worship today. Amen.